Chapter forty five of California Sketches by Oscar Penn Fitzgerald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty five California Weddings. If the histories connected with the California weddings that I have attended could be written out in full, what tragedies, comedies, and farces would excite the tears and smiles of the susceptible reader? orange blossoms and pistols are mingled in the matrimonial retrospect the sound of merry wedding bells the wails of heartbroken grief and the imprecations of desperate hate echo in the ear of memory as i begin this chapter on california weddings nothing else could give a better picture of the vanishing phases of the social life of california but prudence and good taste restrain my pencil too many of the parties are still living and the subject is too delicate to allow entire freedom of delineation a guarded glance is all that may be allowed no real names will be called mounted on old frank one clear bracing morning in eighteen fifty six i was galloping along the highway between peppermint gulch and sonora when i overtook a lawyer named g who was noted for his irascible temper and too ready disposition to fight but whose talents and energy had won for him a leading position at the bar it was an exhilarating ride as we dashed on at a swinging pace the cool breeze kissing our faces the blue sky above the surrounding hills softened by shadows at their bases and glowing with sunshine on their tops the reader who has never had a gallop among the foothills of california in clear weather has missed one of life's supremest pleasures the air is electric every nerve tingles the blood seems turned to ether you feel as you do when you fly in dreaming it is not merely pleasure it is ecstasy but little was said by us the pace was too rapid for conversation and neither of us was in the mood for commonplaces my fellow horseman's face usually wearing half a sneer and half a frown bore an expression i had never seen on it before it was an expression of gentleness and thoughtfulness and it became him so well that i found myself frequently turning to look at him suddenly reining in his horse he cried to me stop parson i have something to say to you checking old frank i waited for him to come up with me will you be at home to-morrow yes i shall be at home then come to this address at one o'clock prepared to perform a marriage ceremony penciling the address on a slip of paper he handed it to me and we rode on resuming the rapid gallop which was the only gait known to the early californians the next day i was punctual to the appointment in the parlor of one of the coziest little cottages in the lower part of the city i found a number of lawyers and other well-known citizens with several women the room was tastefully decorated with flowers of exquisite odor a beautiful little girl about four years old came into the apartment rich and tastefully dressed perfectly formed elastic and graceful in her movements with dark eyes brilliant and large and cheeks glowing with health she was a sweet picture of fresh and innocent childhood she looked around upon the guests shyly declining the caresses that were offered her taking a seat by one of the women she sat silent and wondering isn't she a perfect beauty said dr a whose own subsequent marriage made a strange chapter in the social annals of the place yes she is a little queen and i am glad for her sake that this affair is to come off said another 
in a few minutes g entered the room with a woman on his arm she was fair and slender with a weak mouth and nervous manner traces of tears were on her cheeks but she was smiling the company rose as i advanced to meet them and remained standing while the solemn ceremony was being pronounced which made them husband and wife when the last words were said they kissed each other and then g yielding to a sudden impulse caught up the little girl in his arms and almost smothered her with passionate kisses not a word was spoken but many eyes were wet the guests were soon led into another room in which a sumptuous repast was spread and when i left champagne corks were popping and it was evident that the lately silent company had found their tongues toasts songs and speeches were said and sung in honor of the joyful event just consummated the marriage of this couple which ought to have taken place five years sooner a little child had led the sinners back into the path from which through passion and weakness they had strayed it was after nine o'clock one night in the fall of the same year that hearing a knock at the door i opened it and found that my visitor was edward c a young man who was working a mining claim on dragoon gulch near town annie b and i intend to get married to-night and we want you to perform the ceremony he said not waiting for ordinary salutations isn't this a strange and sudden affair yes it's a runaway match annie is under age and her guardian will not give his consent if that is the case you will have to go to somebody else the law is plain and i cannot violate it when you know all the facts you will think differently he then proceeded to give me the facts in the case which briefly told were these he and annie b loved each other and had been engaged for several months with the understanding that they were to be married when she should come of age annie had a few thousand dollars in the hands of her brother-in-law who was also her legal guardian this brother-in-law had a brother a drunken gambling worthless fellow whom he wished annie to marry she loathed him and repelled the proposition with indignation and scorn the brother and brother-in-law persisted in urging the hateful suit having it was thought fixed a covetous eye on annie's convenient little patrimony force had even been used and annie was deprived of her liberty and locked in her room her repugnance to the fellow increased the more he tried to make himself agreeable to her a stormy scene had taken place that day i will never marry him never i will die first annie had exclaimed in a burst of passion at the close of a long altercation you are a foolish undutiful girl and will be made to do it was the angry reply of the brother-in-law as he turned the key in the door and closed the interview late that afternoon annie was on the street with her sister and meeting her lover they arranged to be married at once she went to the house of a friendly family while he undertook to get a minister and make other preparations for the event this is the situation said the expectant bridegroom the only way by which i can get the right to protect annie is to marry her if you will not perform the ceremony we'll get a justice of the peace to do it annie shall never go back to that house we intend to be married this night come what may i confess that i liked his spirit and my sympathies responded to the appeal made to them he seemed to read as much in my face for he added in an off-hand way get your hat and come along they are all waiting for you at d's 
on reaching the house i found that quite a little company of intimate friends had been summoned and the diminutive sitting-room was crowded with men women and children the bride was seated in the midst a pretty blue-eyed fair-complexioned girl of seventeen as i looked at her i could not blame her lover for risking something for such a prize women were then at a premium in the mines and such lovely specimens as annie would have been in demand anywhere she blushed and smiled at the rather rough jokes of the good-natured company present and when she stood up with c to take the vows that were to unite them for life they were a handsome and happy pair the ceremony finished the congratulations were hearty the blushing bride having to stand a regular osculatory fire according to the custom refreshments were then distributed and seated on the bed on chairs stools and boxes drafted for the occasion the delighted guests gave themselves up to social enjoyment what is that exclaimed a dozen voices at once as the most terrific sounds burst forth all around the house as if pandemonium had broken loose the bride whose nerves had already been under high tension all day fainted the women screamed and the children yelled with fright it's only a shiravari shiravari anglis said the tall red-haired head of the family grinning i was afraid the boys would find out what was going on in the meantime the discord raged outside it seemed as if everything that could make a particularly unpleasant sound had been brought into service tin pans cracked horns crippled drums squeaking whistles fiddles out of tune accordions not in accord bagpipes that seemed to know that they must do their worst the whole culminating in the notes of a single human voice the most vile and discordant ever heard it was equally impossible not to be angry and not to laugh the bridegroom an excitable man of celtic blood taking the demonstration as an insult threatened to shoot into the crowd of musicians but was persuaded to adopt a milder course namely to treat that was the law in the mines and it was a bold man who would try to evade it the only means of escape was utter secrecy and somehow or other it is next to impossible to conceal an impending wedding it is a sweet secret that the birds of the air will whisper and it becomes the confidential possession of the entire community opening the door c was greeted by a cheer the music ceasing for a moment come boys let's go to the placer hotel and take something said he forcing a cheerful tone three cheers for the bridegroom and bride were proposed and given with a will and the party filed away in the darkness their various instruments of discord emitting desultory farewell notes the last heard being the tootings of a horn that seemed to possess a sort of ventriloquial quality sounding as if it were blown underground the brother-in-law made no objection to the wedding public opinion was too clearly against him all went smoothly with the young married couple it was a love match and they were content in their little one-roomed cottage at the foot of the hill when i last heard from them they were living near the same spot poor but happy with a family of eleven children ranging from a fair-haired girl of nineteen the counterpart of annie b in eighteen fifty six to a chubby little californian of three summers who bears the image and takes the name of his father 
while busily engaged one day in mailing the weekly issue of the pacific methodist at the office near the corner of montgomery and jackson street san francisco a dusty unshaved man with a slouch hat came into the room his manner was sheepish and awkward and my first impression was that he wanted to borrow money there is a peculiar manner about habitual borrowers which is readily recognized after some experience with them my visitor sat and toyed with his hat making an occasional remark about the weather and other commonplaces i answered affably and kept on writing at length with a great effort he said do you know anybody about here that can marry folks i answered in the affirmative maybe you might do it he said inquiringly i told him i thought i might being a minister of the gospel well come right along with me the woman is waiting at the hotel and there's no time to lose the boat leaves at two o'clock seeing me making some adjustment of a disordered necktie he said impatiently don't wait to fix up i tell you the boat leaves at two o'clock i followed him to the tremont house and as we entered the parlor he said get up old lady that thing can be put through now addressing a very stout middle-aged woman with a frowsy head sitting near a window the lady addressed in this off-hand way rose to her feet and took her place by the side of the not very bridegroomish gentleman who had been my conductor do you not want any witnesses i asked we haven't time to wait for witnesses the boat will leave at two o'clock said the man go on with your ceremony i began the ceremony she looking triumphant and defiant and he subdued and despondent there were two children in the room a freckle-faced boy and a girl the boy minus one eye and their peculiar behavior attracted my attention they kept circling around the bridal party eyeing me curiously and resentfully the one eye of the boy giving him a look both comic and sinister the woman's responses were loud and strong the man's feeble and low evidently he did not enjoy the occasion he was marrying under inward protest the landlord's explanation accounted for that but it is withheld here what do you charge for that said the bridegroom as i concluded the ceremony i made some conventional remark about the pleasure of the occasion being an ample compensation or words to that effect in the meantime he had with some difficulty untied a well-worn buckskin purse from which he took a ten-dollar gold piece which he tendered to me with the remark will that do i took it it would not have been respectful to decline you may go now said the newly married man the boat will start at two o'clock and we must be off the whole transaction did not take more than ten minutes i trust the bridal party did not miss that boat the one-eyed boy gave me a malevolent look as i started down the stairs one day in eighteen sixty nine a well-known public man came to my office and asked a private interview taking him into the rear room and closing the door i invited him to unfold his errand there is trouble between my wife and me the fact is i have done wrong and she has found it out she is a good woman but very peculiar and if something is not done speedily i fear she will become deranged i am uneasy about her now she says that nothing will satisfy her but for me to solemnly repeat in the presence of a minister of the gospel the marriage vows i have violated i am willing to do anything i can to satisfy her 
will you name an hour for us to call at your office for the purpose of being remarried the suggestion is such a strange one that i must have a little time to consider it come back at four this afternoon and i will give you an answer i laid the case before a shrewd lawyer of my acquaintance and asked his advice as to the legal effect marry them of course said he at once the ceremony has no legal quality whatsoever but it is the business of a clergyman to minister to a mind diseased and it is your duty to comply with the unhappy woman's wish the gentleman returned at four and i told him to come at ten the next morning promising to perform the wished-for ceremony they came punctual to the minute excluding a number of visitors i locked my office door on the inside and gave my attention to the strange business before me they both began to weep as i began solemnly to read the marriage service what tender recollections of earlier and happier days crowded upon their minds i know not their emotions increased and they were sobbing in each other's arms when i had finished she was radiant through her tears and he looked like a repenting sinner who had received absolution the form for the celebration of the office of holy matrimony as laid down in the ritual of my church never sounded so exquisitely beautiful nor seemed so impressive before and when he put a twenty-dollar gold piece in my hand and departed i thought remarriage might be wise and proper under such circumstances i had the pleasure of officiating at the nuptials of a goodly number of my colored friends in san francisco from about eighteen fifty seven to eighteen sixty one one of these occasions impressed me particularly a venerable black man who was a deacon in the colored baptist church on dupont street called at my office with a message requesting me to visit a certain number on sacramento street at a given hour for the purpose of uniting his brother and a colored lady in marriage remembering the crude old english couplet which says that when a wedding's in the case all else must give place i did not fail to be on time the company were assembled in a large basement room of a substantial brick house a dozen or fifteen colored people were present and several white ladies had gathered in the hall to witness the important ceremony when the bridegroom and bride presented themselves i was struck with their appearance the bridegroom was a little old negro not less than seventy years old with very crooked legs short forehead and eyes scarcely larger than a pea with a weird varmint-like face showing that it would not take many removes to trace his pedigree back to guinea the bride was a tall well-formed young black woman scarcely twenty years old whose hair or wool was elaborately carded and arranged and who wore a white dress with a large red rose in her bosom the aged bridegroom scarcely reached her shoulders as she stood by him in gorgeous array they made a ludicrous couple and i observed a smile on the faces of the intelligent colored people standing around he was the queerest bridegroom i had ever met as he stood there peering about him with those curious little eyes the bride herself seems to take in the comic element of the occasion for her fat face wore a broad grin i began the ceremony keeping down any tendency to unseemly levity by throwing extra emphasis and solemnity into my voice this is a device to which others have resorted under similar circumstances 
mastering my reasonables i was proceeding with elevated voice and special emphasis when the bridegroom looking up at me with those little beads of eyes broke in with this remark chuckling as he spoke i ain't scared i's been long here before it was the first time that i ever broke down in a serious service we all laughed the bridegroom and bride joining in heartily and the tittering did not subside until the ceremony was ended evidently the old sinner had a history how often he had been married after a fashion it would have been hazardous to guess no doubt he had been there before End of chapter forty five